You know, if only I was a much more uh, secretive, furtive person, there'd be all these deep secrets that you could, but I've already blabbed so much to the world about everything, you know, it's like, yeah, here are the cards, have a look at them. Stevens. I am the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe series, and this is the Taylor Stevens Show with Steve Campbell, and we are here today talking about, I don't know, because Steve's got the topic today and he's going to throw it my way. I love it when I get to have the topic, and I've got <laughs> I've got something that's so bizarre that I don't even think we could use it as a title for the episode, but essentially it's what I've unlearned since The Informationist was published. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. but I get where you're coming from. It, uh, yeah. Essentially, things happen. You, you do something, and, th- and there's a stake in the ground. This is the way things are. This is the way I understand the world, and that was a while ago. So what have you unlearned since then? What's the biggest thing you've unlearned since The Informationist was published? About how awesome people are? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, see, for me, it's a little bit different because I I came to publishing just so virgin, just no idea about anything. So I hadn't had as much time as most people would have, I suppose, to develop their misconceptions, misperceptions, and what have you. And I think, see, when I was writing The Informationist, I would procrastinate by researching the publishing industry. And back then, it wasn't quite as easy as it is now because there weren't quite as many agents online or editors online. And it just, it just wasn't, you know, self-publishing hadn't really taken off to the degree that it has now. And there just wasn't that much out there online so easy to find like there is right now, which is, I suppose, a double-edged sword because the more that's out there, the more information that's out there, too. It's just an inevitable fact of life. So having taught myself already pretty much life, everything I knew about life, I was saved by the early realization that if you're going to try and go somewhere to get information, talk to someone who's been there. Don't listen to all the the peanut galleries who have their opinions about this and have their opinions about that, because unless they've been there, they don't know. So that did save me from a lot of the, um, I guess you could say, assumptions that people come into with publishing, but there were a few still. Uh, one of the big ones that I think I had believed would be a real handicap to me in getting published was that I had never written anything else and I didn't have any publishing credits to my name because everyone everywhere seemed to say that if you want to get the attention of an agent or you want to get something published, you need to work your way up by getting small small things printed in magazines or uh, short story collection, not collections, but short stories and short story magazines and use those as your, um, your validation, your ticket in, so to speak. And that is completely wrong. And the reason why it's wrong is because people in publishing really don't care what you've written before, unless it was a best-selling book, because that's not what they're going to publish. 
they are looking to publish whatever your current book is, and they need to uh, be able to sell it on its own merits. So the best that prior publishing credits would do, and again, unless it's best-selling books or, you know, solid sales, which this that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who are trying to break into publishing. The, the best that having those little small things will do is perhaps make the agent take your query letter a little more seriously. Like if your if your topic, your book doesn't particularly catch their interest, but you say that you've won this award or you were published in this magazine, they might be more inclined to read the first pieces of material or ask for a little bit of material. But again, if that material doesn't stand on its own, all your prior publishing credits are not going to do any good. So that was a big one that uh, was a surprise to me that I had to unlearn is that starting from nowhere and being nothing makes no difference here or there if your work speaks for itself. I spoke with someone on crimefiction.fm a few weeks ago who was a first-time author, and they went to a pitch fest at a conference. And the pitch fest, I know you understand this. I'll I'll just kind of... Uh, go into it a little bit briefly for listeners. Um, at, at conference, there may be agents there or people who buy books, people who work in the publishing industry, and you have a couple minutes to pitch them. It's like speed dating, only with your career. And sometimes you may only get one chance with one editor. You pick that editor and or agent, and you pitch them, and that's it. And this woman went in and did her pitch, and... They said, yeah, that's great. Send us the manuscript. She sent the manuscript. They said, that's great. We'll buy it. And she thinks that's the way it works. And to a certain extent, it was like that for you. Uh, not not at that level where you, you went to a pitch fest, but you wrote your first book. You sold it fairly quickly, and it was a huge success. Did you think this is the way it, this is the way it works? No, no, not at all. I mean, I was, I mean, in retrospect, I should have been a little bit more clued in. You know, I hadn't yet learned that you can't treat everybody on the internet like they're 100% sane. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, that may be something that I have to unlearn. <laughs> uh, that, that is um, what getting vicious book, book reviews and uh, had taught me was that you can't treat everyone that they're coming from the same. You can't look at this information as it's being espoused by someone who has taken the time to do the research, who's really uh, has good reading comprehension, who maybe is emotionally developed enough not to be hair triggered over a random word that they misconstrued, you know, that type of random stuff, right? I mean, we all know about the internet trolls and stuff, but I hadn't, hadn't learned all of that yet. So when I would just read story after story of the, the nightmares that people would go through of rejection after rejection after rejection, I just automatically assumed that these were all people who, A, had really good material and, B, had really taken the time to understand the querying process and and the psychology behind it and who'd really done their due diligence. So I went into it thinking that that's what I was competing against was another me, so to speak. 
Whereas really you're not. When you when you're querying, you're you're not competing against that. You're competing against a lot of crazy people. So just by being sane and literate and with moderate expectations and good boundaries as far as work relationship, like professionalism, that alone puts you ahead of 90% of the people who are querying agents. See, I, I didn't know that at the time. So in retrospect, I probably should have realized it, might, it would have gone a lot better, a lot faster than I was expecting, but I really wasn't expecting it to go the way that it went. With The Informationist, you had an editor that you worked with. And we, we've talked about this before, the, num- the, different, the number of different editors that you have worked with. Was there ever a time in your career where you thought, I am so happy to have this editor, we're going to be working together forever? No, but that's because my introduction into publishing was before my book even got to the printer, I had lost my editor and lost my publisher both because there was a merger and the imprint that had signed me on got dissolved and absorbed by its parent company. So I got twice orphaned within the space of two weeks. (laughs) And that was my introduction to publishing. And I'm like, pretty much that set my expectations (laughs) of how it was going to (laughs) go. All right. We've talked about this before. You you had... the first book was kind of a sensation. Your background and everything was so unique at the time, and there was this it's great— It's still unique. It, what are you talking about? It is, it is unique, but <laughs> as, list, as listeners to this show and as your readers, we understand it now. So with each new book, that makes it less unique. It, it becomes more about the story than the author. But As it should be. But in the beginning, there was all this, we want to talk to Taylor. Did you think that was going to go on forever? Or are you just so, such a pragmatist that you just, you take all of this for what it is and and say tomorrow it may be completely different? Yes, that. I, I didn't expect it to even last as long as it did. Because, I mean, just look at the news cycle and look at, the way everything, it's like you said, we have collective ADD. And so that people still have me in their attention at all is rather shocking to me. Well, this was actually not the best topic in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fun. It's still a fun conversation. But it's, you know, I thought that I was going to be able to dredge these things out of you, and they're just not there. You know, if only I was a much more uh, secretive, furtive person, there'd be all these deep secrets that you could, but I've already blabbed so much to the world about everything, you know, it's like, yeah, here are the cards, have a look at them. (laughs) All right, let me ask you this, Mrs. Smarty Pants or Ms. Smarty Pants, (laughs) what has Monroe unlearned from the informationist since the informationist? Boy, that's a tricky question. You know, I almost wonder, because I don't know the answer to that, I almost wonder if my readers would be able to answer that better than I could. Because, like, when I write these books, they're just kind of like one story follows the next, and I'm, I'm adapting, like, as if it was a real person, right? Like, they, they change her. But mm-hmm. as far as what she's unlearned, 
I don't know. You tell me. Well, uh, because I'm a reader and a fan, uh, one of the things that it seems as though she has unlearned is that she's always going to be alone. Oh. Is that yeah, a good one? I guess I guess that is that is really, really true. Very insightful, Steve. Good Thank job. Thank you. Gold star for me. All right. <laughs> At me and probably 99% of the other people listening today know, right? got I'm that one, one right off. You're the one that didn't get it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's always been that way for me with these books. I've always learned more about them from the responses of the readers than I have in in writing them. I feel that, you know, when, especially when the information is first launched, a lot of people were talking about this depth of character and just how much there was in this story and I was rather surprised by all that because I was just telling a story. And I, I think the credit goes to the readers because, you know, we all bring ourselves to each story. So we see a mirror when we look, when we read a book. It's a mirror. And, and readers were finding the best of themselves in those stories, I think. Wow, that's profound. Hey, you know, I'm eminently quotable, right? <laughs> you are. That, that may wind up as the intro quote here. All right. Speaking of readers, you are going to one of the biggest uh, reader slash author conferences for mysteries and thrillers in the United States, BoucherCon. So yes. you're going to be there this week. Yes. So what's going on? This is um, exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, timing uh, it's uh, October 8th through uh, 13th, I think, 11th, something like that. And it is, uh, it's like the biggest mystery thriller convention, I suppose, in the world. And it moves from city to city every year. Uh, people often who've never heard of it go, Bowsher what? And it's <laughs> Bowsher Khan, and it's named after Anthony Bowsher, who was a... Um, a major reviewer for for decades. Oh, I did not and know that. Big huge support to the mystery and thriller community because um, and and I'm kind of ad libbing this here. Just I don't know if this is indeed the case, but you know, for the longest time, mystery writers were kind of like the unwanted stepchildren in the literary community. So I would imagine that having a a very enthusiastic reviewer really did help support uh, mystery authors. So this convention has been going on for, I don't know, 30, 40 years now, something like that. So this year it's in North Carolina, in Raleigh, and I'm going to be there. And the way that the convention, the convention is very fan-oriented, and a lot of authors are there, big-name authors. Mo most authors who attend, assuming that they've registered early enough, they'll try and slot them on panels that fit whatever they're level of what what their type of writing is and god that's a job i would never want it's mm -hmm. like you think hurting cats is bad this would be like i don't know hurting mm. worms or something um but it's it's a it's it's a fantastic fantastic uh community of readers it's so much fun uh, many of these people have been going for decades, uh, not just the authors, but a lot of the fans are just avidly there, and it's it's just so much fun. And so I will be on a panel at 1 o'clock on Saturday, and I have a – and usually once you do a panel, then you go and you sign books and stuff. And then once that's done, uh, 
uh, you're typically done. But I will also be in what's known as the dealer room. Dealer room is where all the booksellers are uh, for a second signing uh, around 3.45, I think. So I'm inviting any of my listeners, fans, readers who are going to either be in the area. You don't have to be a BoucherCon attendee to participate. You can get in. Uh, well, it depends. Um, you know, some things they will only let you in if you have a badge, but most things, you you know, wandering the halls and stuff, no big deal. Um, so I'm just inviting any of my fans and readers who are going to be at BoucherCon, uh, any readers who are in the area and who want to hang out with me um, after my panel is done at one and I've done my signing between that time and when I need to show up in the dealer room at 345, I will hang out with anybody who wants to hang out with me. We can just find a place and, and, uh, so the, the best way to find me is coming out of that, find me in the hall, coming out of that uh, panel. If you're not going to be in there and you just want to hunt me down, and uh, as soon as my signing is over, then I will see whoever's left hanging around and we'll just go, you know, hey, go down to the, if there's a restaurant, the restaurant or the bar or whatever, the, the lobby and just, just hang out and chit chat until I have to go to whatever I'm doing next. And we will put in the show notes that are on both uh, the crimefiction.fm website and Taylor's website, the name of the panel that she's participating in so that uh, you'll have that. It'll make it easier to track her down. Down. Thank you, Steve, for being my brain. So that I'm making it so easy on you. I, I, know. I I'm going to have to get a raise because I'm making it so easy. <laughs> what on from you. zero to zero? I think you should double my salary. <laughs> What's zero times two? I've never been raised. <laughs> it's not twenty, unfortunately. All right, but anyway, call to action is if you're in North Carolina, if you have the opportunity to go, uh, Raleigh Durham is a fantastic place. And what a cool opportunity to spend time with Taylor and uh, really a gazillion other top flight mystery and thriller writers. BoucherCon is, like she said, it travels all over. Last year it was in Southern California. Before that it was in New York State. Uh, who knows where it's going to be next year. But if you're uh, in New North Orleans, Carolina, I where? New Orleans, New Orleans next year. Ooh, fun. Yeah. We should make that a call to action a year ahead of time. Everybody meet <laughs> right? in New Orleans. That'll be fun. Well, I mean, hopefully I'd have at least double the listeners by then, and they'd all miss out. So we should probably save it. Okay. All right. So, uh, <laughs> but, but those of us listening now get, uh, get slotted in early. What's up, guys? <laughs> all right. So that's our call to action. If you're in or around North Carolina and you have any interest in BoucherCon, check it out. Let Taylor know you're going to be there. Send an email or a tweet or a Facebook or something. And look her up after that 1 o'clock panel. Even better, if you're going to be there, go to the 1 o'clock panel. Yes, guys, come support me. Yay. All right, that is it. We will be back again next week with another show. All right, see ya. 